Well, good afternoon to the wisdom community. This is uh, Reverend J. Stewart Glover. I'm uh, glad to be here today. I'm going to be talking about Jesus and this wedding banquet parable. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. And I, I think the reason why I'm led to talk about this today is that uh, my observation is simply that the church is, in some instances, has become very exclusionary. And uh, I think we need to return back to extending God's invitation to all who who are um, ready to hear, and even those who are not ready to hear. But the invitation of God's grace, mercy, and love certainly needs to be extended to everyone. Well, I would let you know up front again that I don't intend this to be a um, preaching platform, um, and I invite you to come in if you're familiar with this story and um, offer your thoughts on this topic of exclusionary versus inclusionary, um, the church. So the Gospel of Matthew in the 22nd chapter, it starts out in this way. I'll just read a little bit of it. It says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business, and they, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So now I'm going to just stop reading right there for a moment and talk about what we've just read. Again, this is coming from the 22nd chapter of Matthew, and I get, you can find this in verses through verses 1 through 14. So in the beginning of this story, we find that um, Jesus is telling a story, and we find this king has extended an invitation to a specific group of people, and they refuse to come. So, you know, right away, you know, we notice that, uh, I, I can share with you that biblical scholars suggest that This portion of the story represents the early prophets and apostles um, who sent out God's invitation, but the people refused and rejected the word of God. Not much has changed today. So I guess, you know, a reasonable observation would would lead me to, to understand that we will also experience some resistance to this invitation of God. Um, or even our community outreach as we try to minister to the various communities um, in which we live. But returning to the story, we find that the king 
is expressing a sense of urgency. The king dispatches a second team to restate the invitation. The Bible says that he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off one to his field, another another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. So again, if you're familiar with this story and you want to share your thoughts, please come on in and, and let me know what you, what, what you think about this. <clears throat> so we find that the this king's gracious response was to, after he sent the first invitation and, and nobody came, he sent out another set of servants to tell those who were invited that everything is ready and all the preparations are complete. The the feast is ready. The celebration is ready to proceed. This is the wedding for the wedding banquet for the son of the king. So again, this invitation is, is extended to those who were invited and this time the the invitees response was even more repugnant. They paid no attention to this graciously extended invitation. They ignored it and they they deprioritized the the value of the banquet. And instead, they they went to their fields and crops for their fields were certainly more important to them. They, They would rather spend their time paying attention to the condition of their fields. They had more concern with the the well-being of their property. Others went off to their businesses to tend to that which mattered most to them. The business of their livelihood, the business of making money was certainly more important than a wedding banquet for the son of the king. I don't know what you think about when I hear these references to the son of the king in this story, but I certainly think about Jesus through the lens of Christian theology. Then there were those who not only refused and rejected the invitation, but they violently mistreated those who came to remind them of this extended invitation. Their response to this invitation was actually inhumane. They responded to grace with violence. They responded to grace with hostility. They even killed the servants who were sent to them to bear this invitation. So this certainly reminds me of those prophets of antiquity who were who were the voice of God and who cried out to people reminding them of God's love and justice. They also were often met with rejection, refusal, repudiation. They were often met in the same way with violence and murder. This also reminds me of the earlier carries of the gospel, the apostles, the the disciples who were often met with rejection and violence. It also reminds me of the many men and women closer to our time who have cried out and raised their voices against injustice, poverty, war, tyranny, racism, only to be met with violence. Violence in the form of water hoses, police dogs, gunshots, beatings, imprisonment, lynching, assassinations. 
Today, we still have people murdered in the streets across the world because of their voices being raised for justice. I just want to stop for a moment and say that I believe that justice is the will of God. And today's cries for justice are actually the prophetic voice of God that we're hearing through whoever it comes through. So the story continues. It says that the king was enraged. Now just think about it. He sent out um, an invitation and people didn't come. He sent out another invitation and they killed the people who he sent. And so he said the king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed the murderers and burned their city. So listen, the king responded to this rejection, refusal, repudiation, and hostility. He sent his army and destroyed the murderers and burned down their cities. Well, I guess this king exacted a judgment. Let me say this, the king didn't cancel the banquet because of those who wanted no parts of the rejoicing in the celebration for the, the wedding of the king's son. No, there was there was going to be a celebration and the, the celebration was going to happen anyway. The ones who didn't make it to the celebration, they, they were not there because of their own deliberate, intentional and voluntary rejection of the good news of this invitation. And the same in the same way, it's the, the same thing with uh, um you know, the Baptist tradition tells us that the, the only thing that prevents the salvation of the sinner is their own voluntary reject, determined depravity and voluntary rejection of the gospel. So then the king said to his servants, the banquet, the wedding banquet is ready. But those that I invited did, did not deserve to come. Now he takes a, another course of action. He says gives them another set of instructions. He says, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Now, I'd like to just stop here and pause for a moment. And my point today is that churches today have become very exclusionary. This this story tells, the king tells his servants to go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Our churches today are divided by denomination, we're divided by um, social class, um, economic status, uh, ethnicities, cultures. Um, There are so many things that divide us. It's been said that that, um, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in the country. And that is totally against the underlying uh, implications of this parable. I don't believe God ever intended for there to be a black church, a white church, a Korean church, a Japanese church, a Chinese church, a Spanish church. It's all it's good to 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 embrace God within the context of your culture. But I think we need to go back to to inviting everyone and anyone. The story says, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So now, the king. So let's see. I, I see we have a few people listening here. And, and if you decide that you want to come in and share your thoughts on on the, the exclusionary practices of the church and the lack of inclusiveness, um, how we got there and what we can do to get out of it, please come in and share your thoughts on this story. 
So now the, the king decides to extend this invitation um, to all people from all walks of life. It didn't matter what was your ethnicity, your skin color, your social economic status. People who could be found on the street corner, the market, in the village. The invitation was extended to all, and, and many showed up in response to this invitation by the king. <clears throat> now, imagine this. Those We know that during the times in which these stories were written, that poverty was rampant. Those who were in poverty, the marginalized, the oppressed, those excluded from the benefits of the economic system in place. They were most likely in need of proper wedding attire, right? And wedding attire. And I say that because, um, you know, you couldn't just show up to the king's banquet looking any kind of way you wanted to. This wasn't a dress down affair. This was a celebration a banquet celebrating the, the wedding of a king's son. So the king had to provide for them. He had to provide the proper clothing so that everybody, would, to everybody, that would be in attendance. Imagine that, proper wedding attire, paid for by the king. And the king would spare no expense. You know, so in, in order to be in attendance at this banquet, you needed some new clothes. Out on the street, the way they described it, anyone who you found on the corner could have been a homeless person clothed in filthy rags laying in the street. And if that's who they found, they needed uh, to a makeover, a transformation to get ready for the celebration. And I, I can imagine that being homeless one day and, and being reclothed with fine garments was, was an uplifting experience. If I imagine myself in a story, I can sense the happiness, the joy of feeling liberated from poverty and exclusion for the moment. And now being included in this royal celebration. Someone could actually have went from sleeping in the streets, homeless, without food, without a job, without money. Someone who was, had lost their family. Someone who hated themselves because of their social condition. Uh, someone who was labeled as the outcast, the marginalized, the unwanted, the undeserving. But now they're coming into the presence of the king. They were all dressed up, feeling good, looking good, smelling good, hairstyles, nails done, all cleaned up. The complete package on their way to the celebration at the royal palace. I can imagine that person thinking of one, uh, I was once on the outside, but now I'm on the inside. I was down, but now I'm up. I was an outcast, but now I am headed to the palace. Now, I, I don't know what kind of food they were serving. You know, I, my imagination is filling in the blanks though. I thank you for the love and the hand claps that are being sent. Again, I don't know what kind of food they were serving, but my imagination is filling in the blanks. I would like to think cornbread, collard greens, fried fish, hot sauce, tartar sauce, mac and cheese, potato salad, sweet potato pie, peach cobbler. I don't know what food was served, but the one thing I know is this, that at the king's party, the hungry would be fed, the thirsty would thirst no more. 
and all the needs of the guests would be met at this banquet celebration. Now, something else happened here in this story. When the king came to see the guest, he found someone without the proper attire. The Bible says when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without the wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants to tie him up hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Well, here's the thing. You may read that and think that he uh, simply put the man out because of the inappropriate clothes he had on. You may wonder, well, Reverend Glover, why are you telling this story? You're talking about the exclusionary nature of the church versus the inclusionary will of God, and yet you're telling us a story about a king who throws somebody out of church for the clothes that he has on. But let me reframe this for you. This person crashed the party. He came in some other kind of way. Maybe he, now I'm joking around here, but maybe he bought a bootleg scalp ticket or maybe he just snuck in the back door. The one thing for sure is that he skipped over, and this is very serious now, he skipped over being clothed with the provisions, by the provisions of the king. And he stood out from others. So don't be confused by this story. It it sounds like he was simply put out because of the inappropriate clothes he had on. And, you know, it reminds me today that some people won't even come to church unless they have a new suit to wear. As a matter of fact, this morning on my way to church, one of my neighbors was walking, walking his dog. And he said, Reverend, you look dressed up this morning. I said, I'm on my way to church. And my wife asked him, do you want to come? And he said, dress like this? I don't think they'll appreciate it. The truth of the matter is it doesn't matter how you're dressed to come to church. Just go. Just come. The the Lord's invitation is out there for everyone. You know, so some folks won't come to church unless they have a new suit, which is ridiculous. The story has a greater meaning meaning than being kicked out because of what you wear. In a spiritual sense, the greater meaning is this. He came into this wedding banquet through his own methodology. He rejected being clothed by the king. So today I can say with clarity that don't expect the king of kings Jesus to accept you into the celebration as you are clothed in your own righteousness. That's what we're getting at. Don't expect to be accepted into a right relationship with God based on your own self-merit. Don't expect to be graced by God with salvation because of your good deeds. Not at all. This righteousness that we talk about, this salvation that we speak of, this forgiveness of sin is all the gracious gift of God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't produce it. You cannot negotiate it because of your privileged status in this world. 
God is the author of our salvation, and God is the one who enables our righteousness. And that righteousness is to be found in and through Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. So this man came to the banquet clothed in his own manner. He didn't accept the protocol. He bust through the door, dressed any kind of way he wanted to, whereas everybody else who was picked from the curbsides and on the corners, they all had to be have their clothing provided for by the king. He dressed them up. So this certainly reminds me of a final judgment to come in, in this world. I, I believe in the day of judgment, and, and I can guarantee you this. On that day, I won't be standing before God pleading my case based on all the good things I've done. I won't show up to the judgment with, with a PowerPoint showing my, my involvement in ministry or pictures of my wife and grandchildren and show talk to him and try to convince the Lord I tried my best to take care of my family. I won't be asking to be on the right side of God because any of the work that I've done. The good news is I won't have to. Why? Because I believe in the finished work of the cross. I believe that through the cross, we are dressed and prepared for the banquet through his son. Yes, I believe in the birth of Jesus, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection, and the return of Christ. So any notion of righteousness, righteousness for me comes from God. It's not something that um, I conjure up in my own mind. I believe it's a gift of God. So I see some claps. You know, if, you, if you're familiar with this story, I invite you to come on in and share your thoughts. It's a great story. Um, we have some good news. The good news is that this invitation is to be extended with our invitation to others. The only requirement for membership in the church is that you are born again. It has nothing to do with skin color, how much money you make or where you live. God is willing to clothe us in righteousness through his son. We can't, again, we cannot earn our way into this state of right being or being right side of God. We can't buy our way in. The, the way of salvation is through Jesus. It is the gift of God. So we don't have to worry about being excluded or kicked out from the banquet, the celebration, for our righteousness has been imputed or freely given um, by the grace of God through his son. Jesus does it all. We don't have to fear about being um, kicked out of the banquet. So here's the thing. I Again, I said that I don't want this to be a preaching platform. I look forward to hearing anybody. If there's anybody who feels excluded from the church, I, I would remind you today that uh, the Bible says that um, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever... Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
So what is it? How, how, do, how has the church become so exclusionary? That's a question I would ask to the um, listening audience. How has the church gotten to the place of excluding certain people and including others? What is that all about? Where did it come from? Why is it happening? Clearly, this banquet story is, is a message of inclusion. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the earlier verses of the story, the first people who received the invitation rejected the invitation. They actually even killed the ones who brought the message. And this, of course, theolog- from a theological lens, it, it um, reminds us of the prophets and the earlier carries of the gospel who, who were um, met with violence um, for many different reasons. For, for some, it was uh, uh, some... One of the reasons was they were a threat to the power structures. Uh, people who were in power didn't want to uh, give up their power to this, to a new uh, Jesus movement, as we call it. So anyway, my heart again goes out to anybody who has been, who feels excluded from the church, or anybody who feels as though that they have been condemned by God for any particular reason. Um, We, you know, again, today we find churches that are separated by denomination, they're separated by culture and ethnicity and um, socioeconomic status. These are all things that um, seem to bring division in the church. I see somebody here named Quentin Brown. Quentin, if you're here, if you're still with me, I would appreciate if you come on in and, and tell me what you heard about this story, or if you're familiar with the story, or how you feel about the um, church being exclusionary in its nature. So again, I, I just extend my invitation um, to anybody who wants to come on in. I find the... Um, you know, then what happens is when, when we when we uh, carry on with this, continue on with these exclusionary practices, the church becomes like a social club, becomes something that God never intended it to be. It becomes we create the other person and we look down on the other person. We, we exclude other people because of who they are. You know, my heart, I don't personally identify with them. Um, as a LGBTQ person, right? But my heart goes out to them because they currently experience the rejection and condemnation from the church. And I say this all the time, and I don't think it should be. I think that um, we should um, invite everybody to the church and let them work out their um, salvation with them and God. So I think this is a... um, a good, good parable that, that leads us away from exclusion into inclusion. So remember that, again, if you feel as though that you've been excluded from the church or marginalized and kicked out from the church for any reason, um, or if you feel that the church is, you know, people have a lot of different reasons for not being involved with organized religion. And I can understand. But just remember this. 
that this gift of salvation, this gift of righteousness is a gift of God. It's from God. It doesn't come from men or women who are the leaders of organized religious institutions. This is a gift from God that puts you into a right relationship with God where all your sins are forgiven and God sees you as righteous because of what his son has already done for you. So God's greatest gift to all of humanity was the giving of his only begotten son. So um, I guess if uh, there's nobody that wants to come forward, I kind of told the story and I would encourage you to, to read. I would encourage you to read. I got to the point in my life. Let me let me just give you a little bit about myself. Um, I was as a uh, young man. I, I'm a, I was a musician as a teenager. I wanted to be a, a rock star, and God was not on my mind, not on the front burners of my mind. Anyway, I was a guitar player, um, young teenager. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be a rock star with an emphasis on the star. Um, And guess what? I made a little success. I got a little success in the business, in the music business. I ended up playing guitar for a a Grammy award winning group. And um, it was, you know, I thought this was what would bring me happiness and joy and peace in my life. I thought that was it. I thought I was finally on the path to to peace and prosperity and happiness, right? And that's not what happened. Um, After years, I really discovered that that wasn't the thing that would bring me joy in my life. That wasn't the thing that would bring my life to where I felt I was complete and and right. Um, And I actually um, walked away from that that vocation and prayed to God that God would just give me a job that I could take care of my family. And it happened. And I ended up getting a regular job just like everybody else. Now, getting a job for me was really an exercise in humility. Because if you think about it, we were playing in front of thousands of people, you know, cheering you on and and it was a lot of fun. But coming, you know, reporting clocking in somewhere at nine o'clock in the morning with somebody telling me what to do wasn't my idea of, of a good life. So it was an exercise in humility. And I went through it and, and um, I ended up um, getting a job. I ended up becoming a vice president in a bank after many years. I didn't start out at the top, believe me. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I started way in doing menial things in, in, in a different places. Um, but at some point, you know, along this journey, even in the music business, God, I felt God was calling me with this invitation <clears throat> that was extended to me. Even the one who was out there doing my thing, living in the fast lane. And, 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 you know, for you to look at me, you wouldn't think I was thinking about God at all. But I was from my childhood. I think God speaks to all of us. But I had so many things that I was... Um, wanting to be involved with that were actually pulling me away from God. Um, so eventually, I um, I kind of reached my, I would say, my 
lowest point in, in what I like to call the valley of despair. And that's where I really felt this invitation from God to, to meet me, to speak with me, um, and to resurrect me from, from my situation. And when I say situation, I mean this mindset of despair <clears throat> and, and hopelessness self-destructive behaviors and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it was there that, that I began to read. So when I tell you that you should read, I wanted to know for myself. I had a lot of people telling me about Jesus and people in the street, people knocking on the door, my family, my grandmother, my mother, everybody's telling me about Jesus. But I also heard the, a lot of the foolishness that goes on in the church. So I didn't want to be involved with any of that. I wanted to to uh, know about Jesus, to know about God in a real way. And I thought that the only way that I would get to do that is to research and study for myself, to pray and ask God to, to show me. And, and I began to um, read the Bible. And, and when I began to read the Bible, I was in a pretty wretched condition. But I began to read for myself and, and not listening to what other people were telling me, but I wanted to know for myself. And as I dedicated that time to reading and praying, um, I believe it is in that process that God was pulling me and calling me and speaking to me and, and doing what, what I like to refer to as a spiritual surgery on my heart. Um, and so I've never been the same since um, I, I continued my studies and then I, I just I started, you know, trying to live my life in a way that I thought was pleasing to God. And, and um, eventually, um, you know, I became uh, I went I went to a um, I joined the church for many years. I got involved in ministry in the church. I was playing my guitar in the church and. When I first joined the church, I, I started out in the music ministry. <clears throat> I, um, I then went on to um, be more involved with, uh, after many years of, of teaching Sunday school, and, and I got ordained as a deacon. I, I was a trustee. I got ordained as a deacon. Um, I got licensed as a minister. I went to a seminary. And I graduated from the seminary. You know, I had a preacher tell me once that I, I inquired about early on in my return to the church. I, I, I inquired of a preacher. I asked him about Bible college. And he told me. He looked me in the eye and said, you're not, you're not cut out for Bible school. And, you know, so this is a little, about, a little bit of a warning about people telling you what you can and can't do. I, um, I went to a Bible. I, years later, I went to a seminary graduated from the seminary with a 4.0 GPA. So I guess he didn't know what he was talking about. It's the gift of the grace of God. He he was looking at me through his eyes instead of trying to see what God saw in me um, through God's eyes. Anyway, I graduated. Uh, I'm not bragging, of course. I'm just telling you this is what it is. I, I graduated with a 4.0 GPA and to God's glory. <clears throat> I, um was licensed as a minister, and I eventually I got ordained in the Baptist tradition, and also um, 
I went on to become a chaplain at a university in New York. I'm sorry, Connecticut. Um, so here's the thing. This invitation goes out to all. Um, I don't know. You know, we have a whole lot of reasons of why we can not want to be bothered with the church. There are there are legitimate reasons. But this is the thing. Um, you are never created to be by yourself. And if you if you um, declare yourself identify as being a Christian, then you need to find the church that you can because you are the church. So so then you need to find a place that you can be in fellowship with other people and and maybe even make the make it a better place, okay? Um, bring your gifts to the church. Of course, you shouldn't be arrogant about it. You shouldn't walk in the church door and say, I'm here, I've arrived. I'm God's prophet. No, you shouldn't do that. You should you should humbly um, come into the church and, and work with in some capacity of using your gifts to serve God and serve God's people. Um, so, but the idea is that you're not meant to be um, without a church family. We call this being like spiritually homeless. And, and you know, we're not, human beings are meant to be with other human beings, not isolated off by yourself. COVID has done a real thing on us. I mean, call it, you know, isolating us away from other people. But that's not how God intended the church to be. Um, so I would encourage people to um, read the Bible for themselves and try to, you know, prayerfully read the Bible for themselves and try to get some sort of um, uh, allow God to speak to you through this text. Um, I, I wouldn't, if you're just beginning to read the Bible, I wouldn't start out reading reading the Old Testament. It gets kind of complicated. I would read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some people say that you should start with the Gospel of John. It talks about who Jesus is. Um, and that's a wonderful place to start. I think the the Old Testament, you'll find yourself in, in the law, which um, I think I'm going to do a, a, a segment on that one of these days of uh, the Bible as, as literature and how it's broken up into its different components, the components of the Old Testament, the components of the New Testament, just in case you don't know. You know, we can just go over that. But I think it's important for a new reader to read the New Testament to see for yourself what it means and let God speak to you individually as a person um, and lead you to a place of peace and, and power. And, and I believe that, you know, I can only speak from my experience that God resurrected me out of my despair and brought me to a place of peace. So if there's... Um, no one coming on. I appreciate those who are listening, um, and I would just uh, I would just like to remind you that <clears throat> these talks I put them up on on my website. It's www.revjaystuartglover.com. It's revjstuartglover.com. Um, I put the talks up there and they get put out on Amazon, on Apple, on all the different podcast um, platforms, um, as well as on YouTube. It's a nice music behind it. Um, and I, I hope, I pray that our, our paths would cross again sometime in the future. Um, so let me just um, close out with a 
prayer for, you know, we're, li- we're living in tough times with gun violence all across the, the United States and around the world. There seems to be insurmountable violence and people losing their lives, children losing their lives. So we pray in, in the name of God that there, there would uh, be peace in this world and that individually people would be delivered from despair and, and be given hope in God, um, the gift of peace and well-being. And that is my prayer for this listening audience. I have one guest coming in, and let's see who we got. Oh, my friend here, Todd Martin. Todd, thank you for coming in, and we're down to here he is. How are you, sir? Hey, Reverend, how are you? Good. I'm doing good today. Hey, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, so how do we define the word evil or how do we define evil? I, I well, you know, I define evil. I think you said it just, I think it was you yourself that one day we were talking, you said the absence of God and, yeah. and, and, and anything that, that is stands antithetical to the will of and purpose of God must be evil, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I just wondered how how it, the the Bible defines it, or how mm. the, you know how it's defined in the Word. And I I, I didn't know if I just pulled that out of thin air. Or, no, no, that's or a that's a, a that's way a way of doing it. No, that's that's a that's a that's a reasonable question. I think that anything that you know that is separates one from God is considered evil. Okay. Good. I mean, when I've, we miss the mark, when we, you know, sin is called missing the mark, right? Sin is evil, right? So sin right. is considered missing the mark. Um, and when what do we mean by that? We mean that you've missed um, God's will and of, of love, justice, and peace being done in your life. And, and, and you're driven by something else. Now, I can think of a whole lot of things that represent evil. Things like um, uh, um, exclusionary nature of the church, like I'm talking about today, of of people being put out of the church and the church becoming exclusionary in their practices as opposed to inclusionary. Um, There's there's societal structures, structures in society that um, prevents people from getting ahead in life. And, and, you know, we hear about racism, we hear about... um, you know the one percent and the, the um, having all the wealth in the world, and ninety nine percent can hardly make it. So, yeah. and, and and God's plan was never about that. I mean, even in the Old Testament, you saw where there was you know there was forgiveness of debt. There was um, there was you know it was uh, pretty much where um, they didn't want anybody to the law according to the law they didn't want anybody to become a wealthy lord over everybody else so um you know i think evil is when we pull away from those that when we pull away from love when we pull away from from um please living lives that are pleasing god antithetical to god's love justice and peace is is certainly qualifies as evil in mind right and so whenever we're like reading through scripture or even you know starting a, a different group of a church or a different type of type of uh, faith or religion within the scope of Christianity 
um, when we start to base that on on um, a certain section of it, like do you sprinkle in baptism or you dunk deep in baptism? Right. You know, right. when we start to take and separate ourselves out of that, are we right. trying to remove God and and put it, or not necessarily removing God, but trying to stand on one section or one one saying it rather than the whole completeness of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of studying now on Ignatius spirituality and, and Ignatius was the, um, the founder of the Jesuit movement, you know, the Catholic Jesuit um, uh, movement. They, they created all these universities around the world that when you hear of right. Catholic, you know, so um, Ignatius, um, he likes to call the evil spirit. Um, he calls it an evil spirit, anything that, that would lead you away from God, right? Uh-huh. And, and when we do that, when what we do, what you're just talking about doing is like taste, taking a piece of the scripture and creating a doctrine out of it or our methodologies. I think those things become exclusionary and, and draw people away from God. I mean, there was at one point, there was a whole, um, you know, legalistic um, movement. You know, if you had a beard, you were going to hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of these type of things. We make up these things, and that's why so many people um, leave the church. Um, you know, and there's there's great there's great. Um, I mean, that goes. Uh, it, it hits cuts really deep when people. The worst thing that can happen to somebody is when they exclude. They feel marginalized and excluded from God because of what a religious leader told them about their life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think something that we get we get lost into at times is thinking that you know the Old Testament is is uh, separate from the the you know now and today. It's almost like I hear it in my kids going, "Yeah, that's the old days." Right. And you know when you know in in 1980 when I grew up, you know, and right. and so um, and, but in Ecclesiastes, where they talks about nothing's new under the sun and. And, and we see all the, you know, thousands of laws that that man added and, and, and through different religions added to, you know, God's word when it, you know, was based in two, you know, mm-hmm. love your God and, and love others. Right. But um, the simplicity of loving God, if you love God, then you will do all those other things properly because of your desire to serve God who, who redeemed you. Right. Right. Um, right. And so and we see it even in. I, I, I think that's the funny I guess funny is not the right word but you know in, in, in what we're seeing in, in trying to revise these different gun, gun laws and, and different things and it's you know um, it, it all boils down to love your love your neighbor don't like don't kill people and once once we realize that that's the main law we need to have you know all the other ones are silly because if you're going to kill someone it doesn't matter how you do it you know, no matter how many different laws that we're, we're trying to put into it, we're just, we're losing the so- sight of, you know, as someone had said it, that, you know, the evil that, you know, came in and, and, you know, did that to all those children. And it was, you know, the, it was the absence of God in that home and it was the absence of God in, in the school and it was the absence of God in the community that, you know, that led to, at least in a portion of the community, that, that led to that. And it was, that's the true loss. Not mm-hmm. not necessarily that, you know, another law would have would have prevented any of it. Right. 
Well, you know, when we, when, here's the thing, you know, I was reading a story, I don't know how long you've been listening, but I was reading a story about this wedding banquet where... Um, oh, I missed you, that part. Oh, say, okay, so Jesus was telling a story about a king who, who, um, he, he announced this wedding and he invited people to the wedding banquet to celebrate the wedding of his son, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and they, they rejected his invitation they, you know, they went out to their fields and they took care of their business. They had no time for this this party. Um, so he sent out another group. Or he sent out another invitation to another group of people, again to to restate the invitation, and they also rejected it. And matter of fact, they they acted in a more repugnant way. They actually killed the people who brought the invitation. So from a theological lens, this kind of speaks about um, the early carriers of the gospel, the prophets, and the early disciples who who were met with hostility when they brought this invitation from God. Um, but the thing is this, later on in that story, you find a man who was, uh, you know, eventually he went out and got people from all over the streets on the corners, whoever you were, it didn't matter. Um, and and somebody came into the wedding and he didn't have on the clothes that the king provided and they threw him out, right? Um, and so, but I wanted to, to clarify that point in the story because it's not about the man wasn't thrown out simply because of the clothes he had on. From a theological lens, the man was put out because he was clothed in his own, he entered the banquet through his own methodology, through his own righteousness. So when we start making all these laws and stuff and we create our own standard of righteousness as opposed to uh, it being a gift from God through his son, then all hell can break loose as they say. And that's what's happening. Oh, that's such a good way. Of, I I hadn't seen that in that in that parable before. Yeah, it's 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 a great story. Um, he closed he clothed himself in his own righteousness rather than right. what was See, God's yeah, think of, think about it. Think about it. He had to um, the the invitation went out to even people who were on the street. So this is this is imagine the people on the streets. These are people you know could be homeless, laying in the streets with no clothes, right, and, and mm-hmm. dirty. Dirty, um, drunk, but he said, "Bring everybody." Um, as opposed to what we do today in the church, we we don't invite anybody who's different from us. You know, um, right. we, we we select who we want to invite if we invite anybody at all. Um, if you run out of time, please come back. I got something to say. So, yes, um, so um, you know, these people they had this was a king's party right you're not going to come i saw an artist's rendition of this parable right and i didn't agree with it because it showed like people in in um in you know beggar clothes and 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 tattered clothing sitting around the um sitting around the the food um and this to me was it uh uh an inaccurate depiction of of the the parable because I don't think that the king would have allowed people to come and sit at the banquet, the great wedding banquet of his son, dressed in street, you know, in beggar's clothes. So he would have to um, provide the proper clothing for them to wear. The, the story says to this guy who got thrown out, how did you get in here? You're not wearing the right clothes. That's because the king took the time to prepare the people who were in attendance at the banquet, just in the same way that he prepares us through his son to, yeah. to participate in the great banquet celebration, right? Um, so we, um, we instead of allowing God 
to to prepare us and, and trust and have faith that God is the one that, and the gift of God is the one that saves us. We we make it to try to attain, um, get in the door. We like to sneak in the back door and, and, and think that our salvation is based on what we do and what we create, the rules that we create, the doctrines that we create and and the um the policies that we create and we created other people you know we we wanted to be the church ends up being exclusionary you got the chinese church the korean church black church the white church the, the baptist church the evangelical church so we we get divided up and i think that that in in it of itself is a form of evil yes i i agree and it's the same as when when he said that isaac and his son that i will provide Yes. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy that got kicked out of the wedding, he um he came in on his own merit. He rejected the clothing of the king. Mm. And he came in on his own merit. And you know, this this simply reminds me of people that are self-righteous that, you know, listen, I guess I have to say this. I look to God's gift for any notion of righteousness. To me, what is righteousness? Righteousness is being in right standing with God. And for me, that comes from a gift that is imparted to me from God through his son. It's not not by your own words. Yeah. It's what we fought. You know, it's it's such a... um, you know, it's so funny that it's such a weak vessel that we we work with it, and all he does have to work with is is broken people. But then, mm-hmm. you know, we have to. You know, I think that's. I I think I, I think what your message in today and th- that I'm getting is the, we have a hard time looking at it through and and delivering the gospel in love. I, I right. think that. Um, you know, I, I think that's a great look at it. it. Is not just you know, we tend to focus on these minute things. You know, if you have to do this and you have to do that, and and this is what salvation looks like as far as you know on the surface. Then it's going to look through you. I'm going to see it through your works, and I'm going to you know all these other things. But it's it's how God views us, not necessarily you know his his righteousness is how he sees us through Christ. Exactly. And, yeah, and and that's sometimes it's hard to kind of come to is to understand. It, it it takes humbling yourself again, you know, again and again and again and again. I'll give you an example. I'll give you a real life example of an exclusionary practice. Okay, that comes from the patriarchal systems in place since the beginning of time. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, for instance, you know, some churches don't allow women to do anything, right? Yep. And 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 for me personally, I think this is tragic because, you know, um, you know, so a woman can't be a preacher, a woman can't be a priest, a woman can't be a teacher, this and that and the other because of some. They take one line of scripture and make a doctrine out of it, make a rule out of it. Right. Right. You know, I look at it this way in terms as far as women leadership is concerned, I look at it this way. Uh, you know, we refer to Jesus as being the word of God, right? So yep. a woman conceived the word of God. A woman carried the word of God and a woman delivered the word of God. So what's our problem? <laughs> you know, and I, I think it's I think it's a patriarchal power thing. Um, 
where, you know, so this is just one instance. This is just one example of how we create division and make up all these rules based on one piece, one line of scripture as opposed to the whole thing in its context. If you look throughout the Bible, there are many women um, lifted in high esteem. And, 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 and uh, you know, there's the story of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and she's marginalized in the community. And when, when she grabs on Jesus's cloak, she gets healed. And what does he call her? She was nameless in the story, but he calls her daughter. So she went from being marginalized in the community to being called daughter by Jesus himself, you know. So, um, yeah, we, we exclude people. And, and what's why do we exclude people? Because it makes ourselves feel better about who we are. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and it's tragic because that is evil. It's antithetical to the love of God and... and um, you know, God's God's prayer, one of my favorite prayers in there says, let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And mm-hmm. in, heaven, in heaven, I don't think there's going to be a room for the Catholics and a room for the Baptists. <laughs> you know, so so um, I think we got to move past our ethnic divisions, our money, you know, our social uh, economic status divisions, and, and just learn to embrace the other. Love your neighbor means that it's not just emotionally love them. It's about caring for them and wanting, praying and, and acting towards their well-being. Yeah, and and leaning on, and leaning on not our own understanding, but but his word. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that's where I feel like I, you know, I waver or that I have to continue to work at, you know, going back to what his word is and what is what is he saying, you know, right. in, in his word rather than my interpretation at times where I'm trying to, you know, invoke what it is that I want. Right. Well, my well, desires are. Our, listen, our theology is influenced by a lot of things. It's not just yeah. the word itself. Our theology is formed. Our God construct, how we understand God is, is informed and formed by our social location, by what our families have told us. And that's why I said earlier that when I was a young man, I wanted to know for myself. I had people knocking on the door. I had my family telling me all about Jesus. But I wanted I got to the point in life where I wanted to know for myself. And the way that that happened was through prayer and through me reading, reading the Bible and, and looking inward looking inward to to God for God's revelation. And and I think it was you who talked about, um, you know, God's revelation speaking to you through the beauty of nature. Yeah. So so that's those are the times that we have to be willing to spend that time. So you can be inspired by nature. You can be inspired by the the biblical text, um, which is my favorite. Um, um, And um, the thing is to spend the time. though. don't be so busy that you kick yourself out of the banquet because yeah. you because you reject God. But like you said, looking at it for yourself um, and, and not trying to conjure up um, meanings and applications or, or you might hear a lot of stuff on television, but read it for yourself and see what you walk away with. Yeah, I think one when, when my coming to a better understanding started um, with the desire to know um, who God was, who God is, you know, that was he just a construct that, that, uh, 
was I was it because what I had I was taking what got someone else had said he is or mm-hmm. do I put him in the context of an all-knowing how 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 grand how big did he have to be to be God was right. he something that you know someone had just you know conjured up or if he really was God would that he had to exist outside of time outside of space like he couldn't live within the creation of what he made but he had to be he had to live outside of it he had to be outside of it and um and once i once i i think i i think it was a big part of that of seeing it in nature too that once i realized how infinitely small i am um, and how infinitely large beyond my understanding he is right did i did i come to a better understanding of a lot of that too right but but here's the flip side of that coin okay you talked about how big god is right there's there's a there's a you know there's also the the transcendence and the imminence of god so when i say that i mean you know he's far away yes he's sovereign he's god over all all but yet he says that his holy spirit lives within you so god living in you is um is you know kind of a, a miraculous thing, and and if we believe that God lives in us, I mean, this this God that you talked about, this sovereign God who's great, and and, and all of that, it's true. He's far off, but he's also lives within you. When you well, read, and I think yeah. that's what made that's what blew me away was once I realized how how huge he was, he is mm-hmm. that. That it that I that why would I even matter to him? Mm, right, but he but he but he, and, he, yeah, I think that's what broke me. You know, yeah. I think that really was like that that you know that I you know that he wanted to have a relationship with me mm-hmm. that I that I mattered. Right. Well, you know, when you read the if you read the Genesis story in the first two chapters of Genesis, so when you get around to the creation story, right? There's, I love that part. Yeah. There's there's two accounts, right? There, we you know we read it as it's a seamless writing from one writer, but there's there's scholarly suggestions that there are two separate accounts within that story. And one of them, the first one, talks about how God created things in a certain number of days, and you know, the light, the the war, the separating this and separating that, and that whole mm-hmm. process, it's done in a very orderly fashion. And and what you get from that is. The, the the source theorists and you know the, the scholarly suggestion is that this this writing this portion of scripture came through the hands of the priestly writers right and everything mm-hmm. God was far off and, and sovereign and, and and orderly and 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 you know you got the numbers of the days and all of that stuff the second account is a, is more relational where God walks in the garden and talks with Adam in the garden and and he talks about God you know being forming humanity from the dust of the earth and mm-hmm. and it's it's much more imminent it's a, the closeness of God so in those two different accounts you have this far off transcendent God and then in the second one you have this close God <clears throat> who is um who walks and talks to you in the garden and holds you in his hand and shapes you from the dust of the earth so so um yeah that that is amazing that the idea uh, that can we perceive can we conceive of the idea that God lives within us yeah it's that is a uh, uh, that's you know I, I, and 
well, and even beyond that, that it's the same God that's in you that is in me. How about that? Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's incredible and within itself too. Right. So can we honor the sacred God in the lives of the other person, the one that we want to exclude? Yes. You know, um, you know, does, does, does the evangelical, does the white evangelical church exclude African-Americans? Do African-Americans exclude the white evangelical from the church? Right. Um, it, It goes both ways. It does. You know, and and the truth of the matter is that God is present in the lives of all of us. We all are called to bear the image of God, right? Um, yes. And, and we all do have the image of God. Now, it might be covered up a little bit more in some of us than others, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and in different stages of uh, coming out and all right. kinds. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I think that... Um, uh, oh, by the way, Todd, I want to mention this to you. You know, one of those, I think it was one of the episodes that you were on talking with me. I pulled your picture down from uh, from uh, from your profile, and I put it on the on the um, the guest. The, the, I have a uh, oh, website. Really? I have the website that um, each episode has a. You know, I can put the guest guest profile of a person who's on it. So if you check out the website, it's www.revjayswstewartglover.com and one of those episodes, you can see if you click through the episode pages, you'll see your little bio and and, um, and picture up there. Oh, it's going to make me famous. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> famous or infamous? One of the two. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, I, think I, I, I love your... Um, I love your, well, first of all, I love your, from what you just said, even, you know, that God, the same God that lives in you, lives in me. How about yes. that? You know, um, there's there are many people in this country who don't feel that way. You know, they feel is that, that, you know, and listen, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this right now. I'm, um, I have to work in the work that I do. Yeah. Um, I have to, I work in a Catholic university, right? I'm a Baptist. I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher, Whoa. and and I have to work with a Muslim imam, a Jewish rabbi, a Jesuit priest, right? Wow! And I love them all. There, there is a there is a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I believe me, I know. <laughs> I made a flyer once. I said a priest, a Baptist, and a, a rabbi and an imam walked into the bar, and guess what happened? <laughs> there is a joke in there. And I shared that joke on the flyer. Some people didn't like it. I didn't know why. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But the thing uh, is, this I'm willing to honor the sacred, the presence of God in, in everybody's life. You know, and, and we don't. I think that harkens back to the to the thought that it's uh, that we share. We share our knowledge in love. Mm. It can't be done. I mean, we're told to do that. That it's that it's if he if he he's going to see the spirit that's in you and spirits in me by showing his love mm. and his and and how he has how grace has covered you. Mm. Um, without that, without them seeing. Um, Seeing that in you and that work in you, it's just another intellectual talk about how it, you know, 
one and the other. Who knows? Right. Well, that's why I, a different interpretation of of things. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, I think that you know, with with as far as my work is concerned at the university, we know what our differences are. Mm-hmm. We we know what our theological differences are, and it's no secret. We know what they are, but I try to address our commonalities. And and you know, um, like our rabbi, he can give me great insight as to you know the Jewish lens of the Old Testament. Um, the imam, you know, I learned from him that um, you know he 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 graduated from Yale University, and he he um, he says you know Mary. In the in the Quran, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the only woman in the Quran mentioned by name, mm-hmm. and and she has a a whole chapter dedicated to her. Um, I asked him. I now this is a Muslim imam. I asked him. I said, let me ask you, uh, Kamal. I said, do do does in the Islamic tradition do you have the um, the concept or the idea of someone coming back again? And for, for in terms of judgment, he said, yes, we do. And I said, well, who is it? And he said, Jesus is coming back again. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> I didn't expect that. So, you know, we, we learn we learn from other people and we um, we um, it's good to engage in those border crossing conversations because we demystify the other and we bring clarity into our own lives about what well, and what we do. And I think that that's where we grow too and, and more of our understanding. Right. I think, um, you know, I, I think we have to be, we have to go, we're, we're you know, we're, we're called to give an answer for this. It's one of the reasons why I listen to, listen to wisdom is that there's so many on, um, mm-hmm. on here that have very hugely, vastly different ideas Mm-hmm. Of you know of spirituality, right? And um, and so I I search them to to see if I hear truth and to mm-hmm. you know to to test to test you know what I know and mm-hmm. you know and my interpretations of things and test it to to what truth is, right? And, um, and then I go I come on to ask you know ask them to explain it um, because right. I want to I want to understand what they see and how they where they're at and where they're at in the process of coming to an understanding of mm-hmm. what truth is. Well, so. w- one thing you'll find is, you know, I listen to I listen to a lot of people and one thing that we have to be careful of is that we might we might not like the way something is packaged, a person's idea. Um, but sometimes if you look past the packaging and get to the, the to the root of what they're saying, you might find that it intersects with your own um, belief system, and and, um, and 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 so it's good to listen before you just shut people out. Mm, yep. You know? Yeah, I I think it's really important to. Uh, there's a reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, all right. Well, I think I'm going to jump off of here now, and I, I always enjoy having Todd Martin on. Um, Todd, don't forget if you get a chance to check out the website, um, you'll see your picture up there as a, as a guest on one of these episodes. I enjoyed having you. Um, I always do. Um, if there's no one else, I'm going to sign off in my prayers or with the this listening community again. You know that you would 
look into the scriptures yourself and be led to God for yourself and, and then find a, a faith community that you can be part of and so that you can grow in your faith in these troubling times that we're living in. I believe that God is calling us to a, a place of um, love, justice, and peace. And I pray in God's name that, that he brings you along. And But you need to do some reading for yourself and don't rely on just what people tell you, but prayerfully engage the scripture engage the beauty of the world, the nature, that the world that we live in, and allow God to speak to you. So this is Reverend Jay Glover, and I will see you again next time. God bless you.